Warning, this episode contains content that may be disturbing to some viewers. Viewer discretion is advised. Accidents, just because they're unintentional, doesn't make them any less deadly. Schools are supposed to be safe environments for children to learn and however tragedy does have a way of sneaking in. It was March 4th, 1908 when the lives of numerous families around Collinwood, Ohio were torn apart. Collinwood back at this time was a community that since has become a neighborhood in the city of Cleveland. It was also home to Collinwood School, also known as Lakeview School, a four-story building which housed hundreds of students. Little did parents or the children who attended this school know that on that cold day in early March, they would become part of an event that would initiate safer standards for schools across the entire country. But this beneficial change would come at a devastating cost. It was early morning and hundreds of students had assembled in their classrooms. A sizable furnace in the basement of the school was raging hot, necessary to heat the large building through the freezing winter months. Though the outside of the school was made of load-bearing masonry, much of the structural aspects of the school's floors were composed of wooden joists. The floors supported by these joists were always well-oiled throughout the entire building, from hallways to classrooms. Combined with the startling fact that the main stairway in the school, which extended from the front door to the third floor, had not a single fire door on it, was a recipe for disaster. Just before 9 a.m., the furnace began to overheat, and as a result, nearby exposed wood began to scorch. The flammable structure rapidly caught fire and the fire began tearing up through the floors and engulfing everything it could reach. The large amount of wood and oiled floors fueled the fire exponentially and soon classrooms became overwhelmed with smoke. The children panicked while teachers attempted to maintain order. By the time most people realized there was a fire, it was too late to escape it as exits were blocked within minutes by the relentless, furious inferno. Students flooded into the stairwell, attempting to escape in a panic. Students clashed into one another as children from below tried to climb the stairs in search for a way out, while students from the upper levels ran down. The stairwell acted as a chimney and choked anyone inside. Those not caught in the stairwell were pressed and trapped against doors that were either locked or only able to be opened inwardly. As the school continued to burn more and more, students became desperate. Children trapped on the upper floor started opening windows and jumping out, oftentimes to their certain death when they collided with the cold, unflinching ground below. What seemed like only moments after the fire was set on its destructive course, children inside began to die. Smoke filled their small lungs and stole their lives. Some weren't so fortunate to die from smoke inhalation as the flames licked their bodies, engulfing their clothing and burning them to death. Those gathered outside, which included a large group of students who managed to escape in time and other members of the community, looked on in horror, helplessly, hearing the children's desperate screams muffled by the roaring flames and snapping wood. One nine-year-old student who happened to escape searched the crowd for his younger brother. When he found his brother wasn't among those who made it out safely, he bravely ran back into the school to find him. Neither brother made it out. 
After the fire had finally been extinguished, the fire department examined the ruins and found 172 dead children. Some of them were burned beyond recognition. Altogether, 175 people died that day. On top of the 172 students, two teachers and one rescuer perished in the massive fire. For what felt like an eternity afterwards, the streets were filled with carriages carrying the dead as the entire village mourned. The tremendous loss of life initiated better fire safety protocols to be installed in schools across the country. The school has undergone many changes over the years since, but was renamed to Memorial Elementary in 2005 and is still in use to this day. You might want to take a deep breath for what's next. London in early December of 1952 was not a place you would have liked to be living. It was especially cold, which really wasn't out of the ordinary, but in order to keep warm, London residents were burning an exceptional amount of coal. Post-war domestic coal in this time period wasn't the highest grade quality either. It was considered to be low grade and highly sulfurous. This means when burnt, it produced more sulfur dioxide, a toxic gas. Aside from residents burning the coal, there were numerous coal-fired power stations in the greater London area also burning away. This could all be considered normal, but then suddenly the weather changed and so did everything else. Bizarre weather conditions aligned perfectly and ended up leading to disaster. As if the coal didn't produce enough pollution on its own, more pollutants from steam locomotives and diesel buses pumped into the air, along with winds blowing heavily polluted air across the English Channel from industrial areas of continental Europe. All of these things came together in a perfect storm of sorts. Incredibly cold weather combined with an anti-cyclone and windless conditions collected all of the airborne pollutants and formed it into a heavy blanket that covered the city and invaded residents' homes. This thick, cold, stagnant air was trapped under a layer of warm air above. This incredibly toxic gas contained particles of soot and created a yellow-black haze over everything. With no source of any significant wind, the smog was locked in place and simply continued to thicken as chimneys and other sources of pollution continued to pour into the air. London residents are no strangers to thick fog, but this fog had a visibility reduced to the point that you felt you were nearly blind at times. Transportation was rendered nearly impossible, which included the ambulance service, meaning that people who became ill or injured needed to transport themselves to the hospital, however they could manage in the thick smog. It became so bad that people who would leave their homes would need to shuffle their feet in front of them and feel around to be sure they didn't misstep and fall. But what seemed to be just a terrible annoyance turned out to be something else entirely. No one seemed to get too distressed over the fog. Fog was normal. Perhaps this was worse than usual, but still it was believed to be nothing to get too worried over. And then suddenly, people began to die. The very young and the elderly, or those with respiratory conditions already, were at a greater risk and began dropping one by one, the smog choking them to death. More and more people as time went on continued to die with even more reporting their illnesses. Respiratory infections and hypoxia developed and pus obstructed the air passages of the lungs. When all was said and done, an estimated 12,000 people were dead with hundreds of thousands of people impacted by varying degrees of illness. This event inspired a closer and more careful approach to air pollution, but even with new protocols in place, another toxic fog swept over London again a decade later 
but fortunately it wasn't nearly as bad as what will be known forever as the Great Smog of 52. Like many during this time, the city of Halifax in Nova Scotia, Canada was fully embroiled in the First World War. Although it was a time of global hardship, the thriving city of 60,000 was quickly consumed in the constant coming and going of troops, merchant vessels, and sailors that were departing for service in Europe. The East Shore community of Dartmouth was considered to be one of the British Royal Navy's most important bases in North America, and because of the high demand for workers, many citizens flocked to Halifax for employment and residential opportunities. The Halifax Harbor was considered to be a vital point for trade and resources. However, this would drastically change. French munition ship the SS Mont Blanc left New York December 1st and was intended to join a convoy in Halifax that would depart for Europe. The SS Mont Blanc had departed New York with an abundance of explosives, heavily loaded with TNT and benzol to name a few. Carrying nearly 3,000 tons of dangerous cargo concerned the harbor pilot Francis Mackey. Francis requested additional precautions to be made, such as a guard ship. However, protection wasn't provided. Unfortunate history was made on the busy winter morning of December 6, 1917, when Francis noticed the SS Emo, a Norwegian vessel, approaching the ship at high speeds. It had been noted that the SS Emo was passing into the left of oncoming ships instead of staying in the right lane, which was customary. The ship was traveling at such a high speed because of the delay it had experienced when loading cargo, and the crew was attempting to make up for lost time. Better late than never would be a valuable lesson, unfortunately lost, on the crew that day. Francis noticed the rushing ship approaching the position of his own ship and promptly blasted the ship's whistle to indicate to the SS Emo that he had the right of way. The SS Emo, still in a frantic rush, blasted two whistles back, indicating that it would not yield for the Mont Blanc, and was on course to cut the ship off. Francis ordered the engines halted and again blasted its whistle, but was met again with a stubborn double blast from the SS Emo. Sailors nearby gathered, knowing something wasn't right, and the two ships were very possibly going to collide, if they had only known what was to result from the collision. The SS Emo eventually cut its engines, but it was too late. Their momentum eventually clashed the two ships together at slow speeds, and they ended up on top of one another. Flammable contents on the Mont Blanc broke open and spilled onto the deck and into the hold. The SS Emo, in an attempt to separate, fired up their engines to reverse. This created a spark that quickly lit the Mont Blanc on fire. Thick black smoke rapidly consumed the area, and Francis, in a state of monumental fear over the contents of his ship exploding, ordered the crew to abandon ship. Though people tried to to assist in controlling the fire, it was no use. Residents in nearby homes gathered at the windows to watch the flaming ship as it continued to drift, abandoned. This would prove to be a mistake. Around 20 minutes after the collision, the raging fires finally ignited the highly explosive cargo aboard the ship. The ship was entirely blown apart in one of the worst accidental explosions in history. It was so powerful and bright that residents looking out their windows were immediately blinded by the flash. The blast wave radiated from the explosion at more than 1,000 meters or 3,300 feet per second. At the center of the explosion, temperatures exceeded 5,000 degrees Celsius or 9,000 degrees Fahrenheit and was accompanied by pressure in the thousands of atmospheres. 
Deadly shards of iron, white hot, rained down from the sky on Dartmouth and Halifax. The shockwave from the event traveled through the earth at around 23 times the speed of sound and was clearly felt by residents of Cape Breton, located 207 kilometers or 129 miles away. Over 1,600 people were killed instantly, and around 9,000 people were injured, resulting in over 300 further deaths after the event, which numbered over 12,000 were either outright destroyed or badly damaged. Even brick and stone factories near the site were blown into piles of rubble. The explosion was so great it even created a tsunami which crushed and killed numerous people in its path. Bodies hung out of windows dead. Some people's heads were blown completely off. Even the telegraph wires overhead had dead, mangled bodies caught and wrapped up in them. All in all, nearly 2,000 people lost their lives that terrible morning, and the surrounding areas were changed forever. A sobering reminder that humanity can often underestimate the impact of its own advances. Despite the tragic loss of life, only one crew member from the Mont Blanc died in the event. Amusement parks are intended to be a fun-filled and thrilling experience. However, a thrill isn't exactly a thrill if there isn't a little risk involved. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. On the evening of May 11, 1984, tragedy would strike Six Flags, New Jersey. One of the main attractions at the time was the Haunted Castle. People of all ages frequently entered the medieval-themed castle for a scare. However, the scare they were in for that evening would be one no one would forget. The inside of the castle included trap doors and park employees dressed in costumes with strobe lights surrounding each corner. It was approximately 6.35 p.m. when 29 visitors ran out of the attraction after spotting a mass of black smoke entering the dim corridors. Panic struck the park as the flames began engulfing the entire building. Several teens were treated for smoke inhalation once exiting. It took time before the firefighters were able to investigate the inside of the charred interior. Upon their investigation, the bodies of eight teenagers were discovered beyond recognition and were initially mistaken for mannequins. Autopsies were able to identify the bodies belonging to seven teenage boys and one girl, all which attended Franklin K. Lane High School at the time of the incident. The cause of death was attributed to smoke inhalation. Out of the entire group, a 15-year-old girl named Suzette Elliott managed to escape and became a prime witness to the accident. She was eventually able to inform officers that a probable cause of the fatal fire resulted after a young boy lit his cigarette lighter to light his way into the castle after lights failed to work. From there, his friends decided to push the boy into a wall where hazardous materials caught fire. 
courts later charged Six Flags with aggravated manslaughter for recklessly causing the deaths under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to human life. Without taking proper precautions to install smoke detectors or fire escapes, multiple items in the castle were deemed a fire hazard as well. The deaths caused a temporary plummet in sales due to the recklessness of employees. A memorial plaque has been made in remembrance of the students who lost their lives that day. Disneyland is considered to be one of the happiest places on Earth, until it's not. 22-year-old Marcelo Torres was enjoying his stay at the park on September 5, 2003 with family members before his life would flash before his eyes. One of Disney's most popular attractions, Big Thunder Mountain, was a favorite to Marcelo, one he had to go on before leaving the park. Things seemed to be going swell once entering the ride, however, things took a turn for the worse when employees failed to correctly perform a proper maintenance test on the track. As the roller coaster sped up and entered the dark tunnel, the back axles on the locomotive came loose, causing the entire front car to jam. The entire back of the locomotive was airborne until it slammed into Marcello's chest at a fast pace. The extreme blunt force trauma of the machine caused severe fractures to his ribs and punctured his lungs and killed him within minutes. Angered and saddened by the sudden loss, Marcelo's family sued and were given an undisclosed amount of money after the incident. Marcelo's parents stated that no fixed amount of money could ever bring their son back after such a horrific death, one that could have been saved. Some things just aren't worth saving, but that doesn't mean people aren't going to try and save them anyway. It was a regular day at Six Flags Amusement Park in Atlanta, Georgia on June 28, 2008. Families from around the state would make their way into the park for an adventurous day. This, however, would not be the case for 17-year-old Asia Ferguson. After hours of fun with his family and friends of his Baptist church, Asia misplaced his hat while riding Batman the Ride. Refusing to go on without his belonging, he proceeded to climb over two six-foot gated fences that restricted visitors from entering the prohibited sector for safety precautions. Seconds into scavenging for his lost hat, a loud noise surrounded the area and it was coming towards him very quickly. Before he could react, the same roller coaster he rode a few minutes prior instantly struck him and decapitated him. It was confirmed that his death was accidental. Action Park was a huge hit when it opened in 1978, however, it was plagued by numerous accidents. With hundreds of accidents being reported at the park on a daily basis, it became such a dangerous health hazard to visitors that personal medical assistance and ambulances were always present due to the constant injuries happening to visitors. On August 1st, 1982, 27-year-old Jeffrey Nathan was kayaking in Action Park's water ride called Kayak Experience. While riding the kayak, Jeffrey lost his balance and tipped over the boat. As soon as his body fell into the water, he experienced severe electric shock due to wiring that enabled water waves to move the current. The extreme shock to his body sent him into cardiac arrest and killed him instantly. Though the medical team attempted to revive him, he was unable to sustain the water-based electrocution and was pronounced dead at the scene. The kayak experience closed immediately after Jeffrey's death. A week prior to his accident, a five-year-old boy drowned in the park's wave pool that many like to call the grave pool. Due to many legal problems, Action Park closed down in 1996 but reopened in 2014 and is still open today. Safety is always the first step to a successful amusement park. 
or at least it should be. On May 1st, 2015, Longshan Amusement Park in China experienced its first incident involving the deaths of two visitors. Rides were running just fine until the park came to a sudden halt after two tourists fell over 20 feet to their death from riding a high-octane attraction called Scream. It was reported that both passengers didn't have enough time to fasten their seatbelts before being launched into the air and fell hard onto the concrete beneath them. Shocked by the accident, people from the park surrounded the attraction and began filming the bloodied bodies on their mobile devices. Park employees are currently in the middle of court appeals for failing to go over safety procedures prior to starting the ride. Due to tourists recording the incident, graphic images and videos have been released on the internet, causing a major downfall in the amusement park's attendance record. Stupidity oftentimes results in an untimely death. It was May 15, 1964 when Mark Maples took his final visit to Disneyland in Anaheim, California. Impressing friends and fooling around are quite common for teenagers, and this was unfortunately the case for Mark as well. He decided to ride Matterhorn Bobsleds, a roller coaster which went to the top of a man-made Switzerland mountaintop. While the coaster slowly made its way up to the peak of the mountain, Mark unbuckled his seatbelt in order to stand up as the bobsleds neared the very top. Seconds after standing up, he lost his balance and was violently thrown from the ride, falling down to the bottom of the mountain. The sudden impact caused him to severely fracture his ribs and skull and caused significant internal injuries. Mark died from his injuries three days later in the hospital and was officially documented as the first fatality in Disneyland history. His body currently rests in Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Orange County, California. Vacations are meant to be unforgettable, but unforgettable could mean a number of things. On January 29, 2009, 59-year-old British tourist Keith Clark booked a trip to Orlando, Florida in hopes of having a relaxing trip away from work. One of the main attractions on his itinerary included spending the day at SeaWorld and swimming with the tropical fish in Discovery Cove. While swimming, he accidentally cut his toe on a piece of coral in the water. He didn't think too much of it until his toe turned purple and he eventually went into septic shock and collapsed. Once entering the hospital, doctors found out that Keith was a hemophiliac, meaning his blood could not clot after he was cut. The vacation was cut short and he was immediately airlifted to the UK by air ambulance to Manchester Royal Infirmary. Both of his legs were amputated in order to save his life as a last resort of blood poisoning. Keith died from multiple organ failure caused by group infection, all due to a minor cut inflicted at a park made to make happy memories. It was April 16, 2004 when Beverly Williams would lose her daughter. 16-year-old Haley Williams from Wales was on holidays with her mother and sister. The two sisters decided to spend the day at Oakwood Theme Park in Pembrokeshire, Wales, while their mother stayed back after feeling unwell. Haley made her way onto a popular roller coaster known at the time as Hydro. As the roller coaster made its way to the very top, Haley fell approximately 120 feet from her chair after her belt failed to properly restrain her. She was pronounced dead at the hospital from her severe internal injuries. In February 2008, the park was was charged by the Health and Safety Executive for failing to ensure maintenance. Haley Williams' family was given an undisclosed amount of money, however, they continue to seek justice for the tragic loss of their daughter on that fateful day. Tragedy doesn't exactly take a break just because it's your birthday. 
Eight-year-old Danielle Fody was celebrating her birthday with her best friend on September 14, 1996. It would be an unforgettable birthday when the two girls decided to celebrate the occasion at Bonkers 19 Amusement Park in Harbor Light Mall in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Part of the attractions included a ride called the Mini Himalaya, a sled-like carousel ride. As the ride began, Danielle's long hair slipped through the gap between the back of her seat into the ride's motor. The hair began tangling into the motor, rapidly spinning as the ride started moving. The painful jerk caused Danielle's head to smash against the fiberglass and within seconds her hair ripped from her head, scalping her in the process. Major blood loss had occurred and the child was taken to the hospital where she survived her traumatic experience. The accident enraged her parents and they eventually settled for $7.5 million that went towards their daughter's reconstructive surgeries in August of 1998. Bonkers 19 Amusement Park was shut down in October 1996 as a result of bad publicity after Danielle's frightening incident. Once deemed the world's safest roller coaster, we begin to realize that the words safest and safe actually have two different meanings. Life would change for the 12 passengers who boarded the Mindbender roller coaster on June 14, 1986. Located at the West Edmonton Mall in Alberta, Canada, the roller coaster consisted of three loops and was considered to be one of the world's largest roller coasters inside of a mall. On that fateful evening, passengers waited nearly 30 minutes as maintenance crew worked on what seemed to be a minor technical difficulty at the time. Not feeling right about the boarding, many people left the line after previous maintenance work had been done just hours prior. Things were going just fine as soon as the ride began, but it wouldn't last long until the last car derailed as the roller coaster commenced its way into the second loop. The car fishtailed in the air, banged into the tracks, and swung violently in the air just as the roller coaster began making its way towards the third loop. By this time, the roller coaster lost a significant amount of speed and resulted in passengers hanging upside down 33 feet in the air. Unable to make full loops, the roller coaster flung backwards, hitting a concrete pillar. The tragedy cost the lives of David Sager, Tony Mandrusiak, and Cindy Sims while leaving its fourth victim, Rod Chaco, in critical condition. Passengers were treated for shock and bruises, while the fourth victim left the scene with a broken shoulder, two broken legs, a broken pelvis, and a punctured lung. Investigators revealed there were problems in the translation from German to English in the maintenance information scripts. Mindbender crews were not provided with a special inspection order from the General Safety Service divisions, resulting in inspections to be made visually from employees. It's been a little over 25 years since the fatal accident that continues to haunt the passengers on the roller coaster that fateful day. Trips to an amusement park could end up being the highlight of your summer, but don't forget, it could also mean something else entirely. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Seriously Strange podcast so you don't miss what we've got in store for you. Watch the shadows and stay alive out there. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated and we thank you so much. 
We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.